amazing is the Lord. Um, because I've, been, I've really been praying this morning and asking the Lord, because now I'm sharing just something of my experience. But I mean, it's so much more than just, oh, this is a cool story of someone who went somewhere, you know, oh, well done for you. Um, but I believe that the Lord has something in this to share his heart with people. And I mean, like, really none of this was planned. And the Lord just so, so emphasized. So I'm going to go to my conclusion and just read you a scripture quickly. <laughs> because this is literally, yeah. Um, in, where's that one? 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. Uh, was it here? Was it here? <laughs> uh, it's the very, very last one, Nadia. Shame, sorry. <laughs> um, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. What a God that would give everything that he has away, come to this earth to serve us, to love us, and to make a way for us. We were never even, yeah, we don't even have a little bit of a part to play in this. You know, like he came. Gave everything he had for us. What a God we serve. Um, yeah, so most of you know me, um, but just a, a quick summary of who I am. So, um, yeah, my name is Isel. Hi. Um, <laughs> I grew up in a Christian home with parents who really love and serve the Lord. And they did an amazing job of raising us to also love the whole Lord and serve him. It wasn't just a, a, a set of rituals or things that we followed. But then... There comes a stage in your life where you actually have to decide for yourself to follow Christ. Um, so at the end of my grade six years, so I actually started very early. This is my, my 10th year. I'm having my 10th anniversary in December. <laughs> so excited about that. Um, at the end of my grade six year, I, I um, started my relationship with the Lord. After that's something really special in my heart. Um, missions and serving and ministry was always part of our home. Before I was even born, my dad would go to Malawi uh, many times, go serve there. We did outreaches from when I could remember. Um, so, um, yeah, that's something that's really on my heart. Um, after I finished school, I did Level Challenge, which is a missionary here. For, um, it was an amazing experience of learning about ministry and serving in different contexts and cultures and everything. Very rough year, but I'm honestly so thankful that I had the opportunity for that. Um, and I've been part of church always. Um, actually, very fortunate to really be part of uh, your um, church. But um, when I was on Global Challenge, I, I experienced something about the community of church, the doing life part. And I came back and I was like, oh, that was wonderful. Never going to find it here. Yeah, I'll put that one in like the memory books. Um, and uh, amazing that exactly the year I came back was the year that they planted the church in Bloemfontein. Um, and the Lord just shifted me here. And it really was something different. Um, where church used to be like almost like an extracurricular. This was life. Um, doing life together, growing together. Um, and yeah, the Lord was honestly so faithful in, in having, you know, planting me in that. So <laughs> because... Um, some of you who have similar things on your heart, uh, mercy-hearted people um, who love to serve and everything, we tend off just to like go on and save the nations, run, run off, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, we're very passionate. Um, the, the problem is that, um, yeah, the Lord has a certain design for it in, to work. So, and because the Lord wanted to teach me about church and the real function and heart of church, he covered that desire for a little while. Um, which is actually, yeah, so amazing. I mean, I didn't even realize it. But, um, yeah, just so that I could learn about church, submitting under leadership, um, loving the bride of Christ. 
um, and not just him, also his bride. Yeah, so then at the beginning of the year, the Lord took off that covering and he just like started reminding me of scriptures and um, things that he placed on my heart. And I was like, now I don't know what to do anymore <laughs> because <laughs> uh, I have no context of how that looks in church. I know independent charities and organizations, you know, who have the heart of Christ in serving people, but I've never seen it as part of church, actually. So I just went to you, Andre, and I'm like, listen, I don't even know. Like, here is what I feel the Lord is doing in my heart. I have no idea what to do with it. Uh, that was actually one of the wisest things I could do is like, just submit that to your elders. <laughs> Tell them what's going on in your heart, even if you don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, and then they suggested why don't I go to Ikala Temba for two weeks or for a while. Um, so Ikala Temba, um, like I mentioned, is just Jen's ministry to the poor. So it's run by Uncle Ian and Auntes. They live in Wellington. Um, they've been doing this for 18 years now. Um, and they're like, I think in their 70s almost. Um, yeah, and how the Lord just, um, one day she get, got a whole vision and um, yeah, it became part of Josh Jen's heart. And now they really serve the community, but as part of church. Um, yeah, so Ikala Temba actually means um, hope, home of hope. And their slogan is um, fruit that lasts. So they have really an outlook of not just doing a quick fix type of thing, but really ministering to people. So um, they work in four areas, um, which is community development, um, caring for orphans and the vulnerable children, skills development, and enterprise development. So it's really amazing what they're doing, and it's been changed, uh, changed a lot. Um, yeah, before I start, I just want to make a disclaimer that even though today is mainly about the poor and the heart of serving and things, I do believe there's a lot of universal lessons that the Lord has in this. So I want you to open your heart and also just listen um, to what the Lord is saying in whatever is your circumstance and your gifting in your life. So, um, yeah, as I mentioned, like at the time, I was like, I don't even know if this is biblical anymore. I don't know what the Bible says because I started reading that a lot of times the Bible actually refers to when giving or, or when helping the poor. Uh, it refers to those in the church um, as part of the brotherhood. So I think it's really important just to clarify what does the Bible actually say regarding this. Um, so both Jesus and um, Paul in, in all the letters and all those guys, they spoke a lot about the poor and serving. So it is definitely something on God's heart. The mission here is to facilitate it in a way that pleases him still. Um, I think so many times, and there's, there's countless examples, we can do the right thing but if you don't follow the design, oh God is so faithful that sometimes oh, he still uses it, you know. But he has, a, he has a design behind all of this. And, yeah, when praying this morning, I felt like the Lord just saying, there's a tension between, um, yeah, between him being like, like we saw last week, the righteous, the faithful one, and between him being a loving father. And the same in this, is there's a tension between giving too much or too little attention to this one. Um, and it can actually lead to dividing the church or just missing the heart of God completely. Um, yeah, so the main issue is context. Um, most of the scriptures in the Bible actually refer to serving the brothers in the church that are in need. And the church in those days were represented by Israel. Or it sometimes even just clearly says the brothers in faith. Um, so a, a disclaimer, this is not my own stuff that I thought out. Andrew Sally has an amazing video on <laughs> serving the poor. <laughs> I would recommend you all to watch it. <laughs> Um, so 17 times in the letters it says to care for the poor in the church, and only three times it is unambiguous. So you don't know if it's like for a specific 
personal group. But even in the context of Israel, they probably would have still understood it as part of the church. So um, I think it's important to start with what is it not? It is not humanitarian work. We are not called to do humanitarian work. With humanitarian work, we don't actually change people. We don't change humanity. We try to fill a hole that is way bigger than we can fill. Um, I mean, Jesus even said, like, you will always have the poor with you. And, and like, uh, was, yeah, with I and everyone sharing, like, um, we have a heart of giving. But just to give, to soothe our conscience, actually, the hole is too big. It doesn't make a difference. We are called to make disciples of Christ. And through giving and loving, we show the heart of Christ. And that is obviously what we are called to do. But to just give humanitarianly, it actually doesn't, yeah. The thing is, we can actually, yeah, we're, we're doing good in a worldly definition, um, but we're not necessarily serving Christ. And that's a life wasted. If we're not serving Christ in what we do, it's a life wasted. We are not called to send people with full tummies to hell. We're called to make disciples of Christ. Just to put it plainly out there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that doesn't mean that we don't give. Okay. So what is it then? It is actually being obedient to Christ. So as church, we are called to be the light. Um, and the testimony of our faith is that there are no needy among us. Like you read, and it's also in Acts 2 verse 42, which said they had all things in common. Nobody was in need. Um, so that's actually a testimony of the church being the light is when nobody is in need. So, as Andrew said in the video, there's four different levels, I almost want to call it, of, of giving priorities. And the first priority is caring for your family. So, in 1 Timothy 5 verse 8, um, it says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Whoops. Um, <laughs> I think God is pretty serious about, yeah, this one is pretty clear, like, care for your family. Um, we are supposed to lift each other up and to help each other. Um, this is a command from God. So in giving, it is being obedient to Jesus. Um, the second level, your priority, is to care for family in the church. So in 1 John 3 verse 16, um, it says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Um, and as you see in there, it speaks about the brothers. Um, <laughs> yeah. If we are like, yo, someone comes to me and like, listen, I really... Finances are really rough this month, you know, I'm struggling. I'm like, oh, shame, let me pray for you, you know. <laughs> um, that's nice. Um, it's not what the, uh, the, goal, the Lord's heart is for us. Um, our, our, our response to Jesus is being obedient in caring for one another in the faith. In the same sense, I want to say, if you don't come and say, I am in need, we can do nothing to help you. <laughs> we can't smell that your bank account is empty. <laughs> Um, so there is something about community and about actually being vulnerable to one another um, and coming. And in that, we can show love. But you blaming the Lord, actually, because no one is helping you, because you told no one, is no, it's not, not, not helping us anywhere. Um, in Romans 12, verse 13, it says, uh, Share with God's people who are in need. 
practice hospitality. So yeah, it says, yeah, contribute to the needs of the saints. Yeah, and the, the, the heading of this chapter is actually the marks of a true Christian. And that's one of the first things. Um, yeah, so the, the thing here is that it's not just randomly giving to everyone. Oh, okay, you didn't have as much yes stuff. Oh, you were struggling, there you go. Um, in 1 Timothy 5, I didn't have the whole thing, but um, there's a whole list of qualifications to actually, it, it almost seems like they had a, a program or a, a list type of thing to get onto. So, because um, Paul speaks of, of or, yeah, being enrolled. Um, so, there's a whole list of things. It's not just we're randomly giving to anyone. So, this one specifically speaks to widows. And it says they have to be over 60. They have to have no other family. They must not be lazy. Um, they must wash the feet of the saints, serve in church. So, there's like a whole list of stuff. So, it's actually not just giving randomly to everyone, you know, and um, yeah, there's, yeah, there's just a thing of sustainability in it, and showing the heart of Christ, that sometimes we can do it, and, and the Lord does press on our hearts, but like they said, actually submit it to the elders, say, listen, I have someone in need, I have, can I give to them, type of thing like that, um, yeah, so I really think that God has a heart in how he wants to do this, because like we said, the primary goal is actually to show his heart, um, so the, yeah, the second purpose is we are actually sharing in the suffering of our fellow believers and serving another as Christ has served us when we give. So the third level of priority is to give to other non-local churches. So in Romans 15 verse 26, um, I'm going to read this one out of the NLT. Um, For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Achaia have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. So here you see that there's believers in Europe, in Macedonia and the other place. And then they heard that the the, the believers in Jerusalem um, are having a rough time. And they actually took up an offering and sent it to them. So that is the third level only that we're getting to now, you know. Um, and it is that we still contribute to other churches. So that would be like another 412 church, or even like if we somehow get connected to a church in Afghanistan or something like that. But that is after no one among us is in need. Um, And then the fourth one um, only (laughs) is showing God's heart of compassion to people and extending a hand to them as God extended a hand to us. So the fourth one is then to non-Christians, people outside of the faith. Um, so it is definitely there, but I think sometimes the emphasis is so much on this lower level and that the church is really suffering. Um, so in Galatians 6 verse 10, it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So again, you see, that's the priority to the family of believers, but then also to the rest. Um, and this one is, like I said, um, where God leads us. Sometimes you feel that God is pressing on your heart to give something. That's good. That is really good. But it's not necessarily we have to give every time. And we have need a lot of wisdom in this one as well. Um, I, I think the... The thing that stands out in this point is the heart's posture. Um, If you think about the Good Samaritan, Jesus was trying to teach them about who their neighbor is. And the priest walked by and he just like ignored him, you know. And the Levite, who who used to be the prophets, walked by and he was like, "Uh." and then the Samaritan, whom they all hated, came and he saw this guy. And he took him and he cared for him and he paid for all his um, care and stuff. And I think that the heart behind it is Jesus wants us to have a heart for people <laughs> who are suffering. He has a heart for people who are suffering. Um, 
to extend a hand and to serve as he did to us, actually. Um, but yes, this one is, is the last priority. Um, and again, I think the Lord has an idea of how he wants this to work. Um, the other thing just to mention is that to some people, this can actually be a spiritual gift. Um, in Romans 12, verse 3 to 8, it speaks about the gifts of mercy and serving. So it says, For by the grace given to me, uh, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each one of us, uh, oh, just, as, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belong to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Um, so there's different spiritual gifts that God seems to give, and, and some of them are actually giving, serving, mercy. Um, yeah, when we, received, when we speak about mercy, it's about really having actually a heart of compassion, really a compassion for people that are struggling. Um, it is important just to distinguish between tithing and giving to the poor. So tithing is used for funds to advance the church. It's giving back to God what is, he, what is His. And then the Bible also refers to alms, which is giving over and above. Um, we give generously because God has given generously to us. And that would be giving to other people, giving to the poor. Yeah. Um, so when I got saved, um, just one last scripture before I go on. Um, this was one scripture that really, you know, that God, I, I got actually saved by this scripture. So in Matthew 25, verse 31 to 40, it says, um, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then He will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Um, yeah, I think hear what I'm saying and hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying like we all have to go and now, but this is on God's heart. His heart is that when we are serving people, we are actually serving Christ. And just a piece after that, um, he will then tell those who are on his left, depart from me, you are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Um, for I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? 
And he will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for the least of mine, you did not do for me. So it's not just like um, you're saddening my heart or something. It's like, sorry, you're going to hell. Sorry, that's a bit rough, but yes. This is on God's heart. It's to serve people because we're serving Christ through it. Um, yes. On a lighter note <laughs> about my experience at Ikaila Temba. <laughs> so in June, I went um, and I stayed for two weeks with Uncle Ian and Aunt Tess. They just invited me into their house. It was wonderful. I became like one of their grandchildren. Um, yeah, <laughs> they are wonderful. <laughs> I really love them so much. I didn't know them at all before, so I literally saw the Ikaila Temba Bucky and I'm like, hi, I'm Michelle. Um, <laughs> I think that's one thing also that testifies about church. It's just that, um, yeah, we can become family so quickly. Um, the timing was incredible. I mean, I didn't, my holiday was those two weeks. I planned the plane tickets. I bought the plane tickets. And um, right at the time when I went, it was COVID lockdown level four. Um, so the schools got closed, which means that the children can't get food from the feeding schemes. Many parents couldn't go to work, so they didn't have salaries. So there was a lot of need in that time. I mean, we did not plan that. <laughs> um, I think something that just stood out for me so much was how faithful the Lord is and how he really cares and provides for his people. He really does. I mean, we had tons and tons of food. Like, I think we had 12 tons of food that we packed into parcels. Um, yeah, you can't even imagine that. It's like, I, I, I said to Antes, I'm like, yo, let's, I mean, I would imagine, let's trust for the Lord. Lord, one ton of food, and then there's like 12, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so um, what we did is every week we had a soup kitchen. We would make pots of soup and take it to the local township um, near Wellington. Um, yeah, twice a week to the kiddies. Um, during the winter drive that they had, I think it was about two months, they served over 10,000 meals in the township. How incredible is that? <laughs> I mean, that alone is like, whoa. <laughs> and it was so beautiful just to see um, how they did it as part of church. So in the, in the community, there are ladies who are in the Wellington church, and they have a heart of reaching out to the people around them, but they don't have the means to do it. So Ikana Tema partners with them, drops off the soup at their different homes. They serve it to the community. So they are actually the ones that are evangelizing, that are the, the, the light in the community. They are equipping them to be able to do the work of Christ. I thought it was beautiful. Um, so in the first week that I was there, um, we packed and distributed parcels for people that were in need. So in all the different congregations, they would send in numbers. Listen, we have six people that are really in need. We have 10, we have 20. Um, and, and that's also the thing is like there's a, there's a, a vulnerability and a, a really a relationship, accountability of saying, I am in need. Okay, let's help you, you know. But it's not just like, oh, we're going to the township, distribute packets, and we never see those people again. Um, so... Yeah, it, it's amazing how much God provided. I cannot even comprehend it. We packed over 1,000 parcels, which ended up be, uh, like being 25,000 meals. Um, so we gave to nine Josh Jen congregations and four 412 congregations. And I mean, the, the parcels were really big. I calculated that each weighed about 20 kilograms. Um, and then we still had so much left that we packed 100 outreach parcels. So after we did all those three um, different congregations, people in church in need, we still had so much left that we could actually give to the unbelievers. So then we went in that same community, and the local people there also contacted some people. They had a list of people who said, like, they are really in need. And we were able to go and distribute to them. 
Yo, <laughs> 25,000 meals. Um, <laughs> at one of the, uh, yeah, two of the places I had the opportunity to share with the people um, just a, a short message before we do the, the ending out of the parcels. And I asked the Lord what is on his heart. And I felt that he gave me the scripture in um, 16 um, of Hagar. So um, Hagar was um, Sarah's, uh, what's it like, servant. And then Abram slept with her and now she's pregnant. But, and it was actually Sarah's idea, but now she's really angry because she doesn't have a child. Um, <laughs> so now yeah, she's really angry. So then um, Abram just said, like, okay, she's your servant. Do with her what you think is best. Okay. Um, and then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. And the thing to remember here is that Hagar actually wasn't God's chosen person. She actually, yeah, <laughs> she made a little bit of, but it wasn't her fault. But the thing is like, yeah, she wasn't like the chosen one or whatever. But then the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. He found her. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai. Where have you come from, and where are you going? And she said, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. And the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. And I think something that just stood out for me is the first thing is like, the Lord found her in the desert. I mean, she actually, th this wasn't part of God's plan, but still, he had such compassion on her that he went to her, he found her. And asked her, what's going on? Who, where are you going? And she told him, and he actually gave her direction of what to do, and not an easy one. Um, and then in verse 13, um, yeah, so then the Lord actually, yeah, verse 10 says, I will so increase your descendants that they will too be too numerous to count. So the Lord actually made a promise to her in the end. Um, verse 13, you could just go to verse 13. Um, after everything that the Lord said, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And what I felt is that the Lord sees per people. He sees each and every person. He sees the struggles of their heart. It, I was so overcome by compassion, not, you know, but, but by God's compassion. He sees people. And through him seeing people, then people cannot help to respond but saying, thank you, Lord. Um, yeah, so... Something I really learned here is how they do it sustainably, the ministry. So if Ikaya goes into the communities, the broader communities, three times a year, I mean, um, there's not really much that's going to happen. One or two people might get to know Jesus. It's still a good thing, but yeah, versus going to the local elders and deacons, helping them to serve the church around them. That is sustainable. That is a church that is there that is continuing to serve um, they're sharing in one another's journeys. Even if they just go to the close township, you know, the township close to them, I mean, it's still like outside type of thing, but they're equipping the local saints to serve the Lord. Um, and I think that's in the end the purpose of all of this. It's so that people can know Jesus through our lives. It's not just through the deeds that we do. The, yeah, it's through the lives that we lead. Um, so, yeah, and, and really seeing what comes out of that. What I learned, which was really challenging for me in a sense, but evangelism or serving or ministry and for that matter everything in our life is not a short-term thing to help us soothe our conscience we lay down our lives we pick up our cross we follow christ to make him known to the world around us we devote our lives to christ and to the people around us that is what he called us to it's not a short-term thing we were in kaya Licha and um, there's a couple love and laura they 
lived in Sunningdale, very nice neighborhood, everything. They packed up everything. They're living in the middle of Kailicha to serve the church and the community there. What a testimony that is. I was standing there. I'm like, Lord, I don't even know if I can have the guts to do that. They packed up everything. and They're serving the church faithfully. And the people are getting to know Jesus and loving him. That is what this is about. Um, so that weekend, um, I went to hike with my one friend um, in Stellenbosch. He, oh, oh, I'm Lance Head. He's from Josh in Stellenbosch. Hanu, some of you know them. Uh, him. And I was actually quite unsure to formulate and tell him what I'm doing in Cape Town. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm going because formulated. God has something in my heart, and I'm sort of just seeing what he's trying to do, but I, yeah, I just didn't know how to formulate it. And I was confused after that week because I loved what we were doing. It was so, so cool. <laughs> I just felt so energized by it. Um, but like, I'm studying occupational therapy, and I'm not exactly sure how all this fits in. Um, and then Hanu said something just very important to me. He said, in times of peace, we build. In times of war, we fight. And it just hit me that if we don't build when there is times of peace, if we don't learn, if we don't actually invest, if we don't go, by the time there is war, we won't have anything to fight with. We, we don't know how to fight. There's actually a responsibility and a thing on us. If you feel God's calling on your life, take action. Say, yes, Lord, I want to grow in this. So, like, for me, it was a serving thing. Going actually to Ikala Temba and saying, listen, I just want to learn from you. I have no idea how this works. You know, I have my preconceived ideas, but I want to learn. Um, if it is finance, like, learn from people. How do you do godly finance? If it is, like, this weekend there's a healing ministry in Cape Town. If that is it, like, if you feel that's a calling of God, actually invest, learn, um, take you know, take actually take responsibility for the gift that God has placed on your life. Um, and then he had a very cool analogy. Hanu loves analogies. Um, so of an army. And we're all in God's army, and obviously we're fighting the dark army. And um, so you have different positions in an army. Some people are like the commanders. They tell everyone where to go. You know, they're sending people out. Some are the pioneers. They're the missionaries. They break the ground. They go to you know, for the first time. Some people are just in the camp. They're ministering to the people, you know, making sure they are well, they are strong, they're training them. That's like the, the elders. And, you know, there's all these different ones. And I really didn't know where I was. Um, <laughs> you know, and I was like, I want to be a front runner. And a, yeah. Um, and I was just like, yeah, that's not really it. And then Hannah says, yeah, but I feel like your, your one is, um, you're standing, you have like a little station along the road. So people move between different stations and um, so they move from one camp to another camp and along the way you have a little station there and people come, they stay over and they rest and you're serving them and you're loving them so that they have the capacity to go on and complete the journey. And I was like, wow. That was for me is just such a cool thing because I really, I got frustrated because <laughs> I'm walking around with people and just when I think we're getting somewhere, they go and I'm like, Oh, I don't know what to do, <laughs> you know, and I felt frustrated, and I was like, is it my thing or whatever, God has placed me along the road to give people, to equip them, or to just give them the rest, and the love, and the, actually just something that they need, so that they can complete the journey, I want each of you to actually ask the Lord, where is your place in this army, we each have a place in this army, um, we're not just like, sitting at home, oh, there's a war going on. We're each actively part of this. And each one of us has a part to play. Ask the Lord, where is your place? What is the thing that you need to do? Because if you find that, it will give you so much just um, grace, actually. And, and um, what's the word? Yeah, contentment, actually, for where you are. 
um, and give you passion to run further. Um, so, yes, then um, in the second week, the Lord actually answered that whole thing of occupational therapy and everything. So we were going to the community again, giving out soup, and Auntie said, yo, she really has this desire just to treat the children because then the school was um, uh, cancelled again for two more weeks. So these kiddies, I mean, they do not have toys. They do not have play parks. They're literally playing in the Danes and with very hazardous materials. Um, yeah, and just to like, just to bless the kiddies. So now we're starting to dream, like, imagine we can give them each a hot dog. Yes, how cool would that actually be, you know, not just soup. And how cool would it be if we could give them each a toy? Like, imagine we could do something educational. So we start dreaming. And um, before I went, I worked for five weeks at Marte Duplessis, which is a school for children with disabilities in Bluefontein. And I was so frustrated <laughs> because I didn't know what I was doing there. I didn't understand why the Lord has placed me there. I, I really, really struggled just with that part. And in the end, it was good. And yeah, I sort of managed that. And when we were there, suddenly I knew the Lord prepared me for five weeks in a place that I really didn't like to actually serve him when I went to Cape Town. The law knows where to place us, <laughs> even when we don't understand or it doesn't make sense. Um, so then suddenly I started thinking about the things that I learned while I was working there, and I was like, Play-Doh. On test, we need to make Play-Doh. It's cheap, it's easy to make, we can do it in like an educational or a developmental way or whatever. And then we started dreaming about things that we can do. Um, at that time, I was reading through John, and I was reading in John 14 to 16, and three times it says, ask whatever you will in my name, and I will give it to you for the glory of the Father. And the first two times I read it, I just like skipped over it because I have no idea what that means. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I know, but I don't know what's in God's will, you know, how do I know what to ask? And, uh, yeah, you know, I just actually didn't have the faith to believe that if we ask God that he will, he will give it. And by the third time I read it, I'm like, okay, I get you're trying to say something. So, um, yeah, I was like, okay, Lord, I know that this is on your heart. You have a heart for people. Um, yeah, you have compassion. You have placed me here. Um, I pray that you will do this, that you will make this happen. Within two days, we came up with the idea. We randomly got finance for it that came in. We bought all the material, we designed activity sheets, we made clay from 18 kilograms of flour, we packed 250 parcels, and we delivered the first batch in two days. That was just the Lord. <laughs> that was just the Lord. It was incredible. Everything just coming together. Um, we then went into the different townships, so there were activity packs. I thought it was only going to be for Van Vijksplay, the little township close to Wellington, which is like 60 kids ended up being 250 for Kailicha and Danoon as well. Um, so we went to the different places and presented little workshops with the children on how to use these packages because just giving them a package doesn't really help. So it had a big activity sheet with like numbers and a place for free play and um, the boys got a little car that they can play on the back with. We had a little picture of a road and the girls had like there was a, a farm scene and they each got a little pony that they could play with. So just to facilitate play with his children and the educational part of the Play-Doh. So they each got Play-Doh, the boys got marbles, they got uh, that big piece of chalk to draw on the road. Um, yeah, and as we were doing this workshop the first time with the kiddies, the one girl, she stood in and she asked a friend, do you think we're each getting a packet like this? Her friend was just like, there's not a chance. <laughs> there's no way we're each getting a packet like this. And they did. They got the packet and they could write their name on the top. It was theirs. Ach, Yolanda, yeah. 
I can't even describe it. Um, we drove away from there, and I asked the Lord, like, what just happened, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, and I, I just felt the Lord said that um, what just happened is that children felt loved and valued and worthy. Um, they felt actually like, like humans um, because the children, they are really just, they're existing. Um, and they each got their packet and the love and the intention behind that. And I, then I asked the Lord, but why does this matter? I mean, like, it was really cool what we did, but why does it matter? And I felt that he said, because I care. And because Jesus cares, I care. Um, yeah, what I really just learned that day is that the Lord has such a, a different way of, he, he has so many different ways of working. <laughs> and many of you are like, yo, that is so not for me. <laughs> um, for me, this was incredible. Just seeing what the Lord is doing and that he puts value in people. Um, people that are actually deemed to achieve nothing in life. Um, to die of something or whatever. Um, he actually puts value. And he says that they are loved. And then when you go back, those children are so keen to listen to Jesus. Um, what a privilege it was to be able to do that. Um, yeah, to just this is my last one before I end. So when I came back, I was conflicted because I knew that God was calling me for something greater, <laughs> um, something great and adventurous, but also something difficult, something scary, something permanent, and something with a lot of sacrifice. And I didn't really want to deal with that part. <laughs> um, so I just like avoided him for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> subconsciously, I was then like, okay, let's try out all the other gifts, you know. <laughs> Whoops. Um, <laughs> so we were at Pink 180 the one evening, you know, and I'm like, yeah, we're going to do this. You know, all these people are so great that we're breaking open the word. And I burst out into tears because I'm so frustrated. I just, I cannot get it like they do, you know? Like, they're like teaching and like, they just sit and they're like, yes, this is what it is. And I'm like, oh. Um, I, yo, and I was just so frustrated. It's not for public. I mean, God gives me the revelation that I need to serve him. Thank goodfully, goodness. But it's, mine is not for public leadership. Um, and the thing is, that is not my calling. <laughs> I was trying to like, yes, let's do this because that's, you know, the nice thing to do. Yo, it was not nice. <laughs> um, when we try to avoid Christ, follow the mainstream, follow what is comfortable, um, try to perform where we are not called, we become frustrated and actually at the stage we become angry towards God. Um, when we're functioning in our gifting and our calling, we blossom. God has... Like the, the thing always of the, the body with its different members, each one of us represent a different part. Some are more visible than others. Some are more nice than others. And it's so beautiful, the word that Jacob has brought. Um, we each have that thing that's written on our arms. And I looked at mine and I was like, what the heck? You know, like, this is so out of the world. I don't even know what to do with this. You know, let's try and copy something else on this side. It doesn't work. Um, Timothy, uh, yeah, 1 Timothy 4 actually speaks about um, not despising or neglecting the gift that was given to you, but to practice and immerse yourself in it. Um, and if you think about the story where Jesus gave the different talents, and um, yeah, like he gave different talents to each one. Some got five, some got two, some got one. So you might have finance, you might have business, you might have actually teaching and um, pastoring people, you might have serving. Um, but each one of them, God expected them to be faithful with what was given to them. Um, I really, really don't understand it. But God somehow wants to make us a part of his journey. Um, yeah, what, 
what an insane privilege that is. Not just that he saved us, but it's actually making us part of his work. Um, in Romans 10, verse 13 to 15, it speaks about how will people know if someone is not sent? Oh, you are awesome. Um, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to, uh, to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful news to the world, those who bring good news. We are each called in a very different way to bring the good news to the world. How will people hear if we don't speak? How will people know if we don't serve and love them? Um, 1 Peter 4 verse 10 to 11. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If and anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I really just feel with everything that's happened that, uh, that the Lord has brought out this morning that he really wants each one of us to take hold of the thing that he has placed on our lives. Um, yeah, ach, let's, let's pray. Ach, Jesus, 